You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the OFNT Podcast. OFNT stands for Old Fart New Tech. I'm your host and resident Old Fart, Jim Schaefer, and the podcast, at least to me, is the new tech. I hope this finds you well and you're having a great week. Good news, users of the Discord service. Microsoft has broken off negotiations to acquire that company. Dodge the bullet there. Hey, at least the Australian federal government has the cojones to stand up to the CCP. Bye-bye, Belt and Road Initiative. Hey, why don't you mind your own scripted business, Greta Thunberg? Find some other con to make money for your family. We're sick of your pretentiousness and your fathead. Go away. Get out. Hey, will Facebook and Spotify kill the RSS feed? Statements made by both companies recently make it seem like they're sure trying to. All right, we're going to start off with some tech news. Well, I'm sure you all know that the April 20th Apple event has come and gone. And here's my take on the announcements that the company made. First up, you can now get an iPhone 12 in the color purple. Mind-blowing, isn't it? No! I guess a lot of people were waiting for that. Well, I wasn't one of them. Maybe Tim Cook's best bud, Oprah Winfrey, wanted that option. Hey, you see what I did there? Oprah, the color purple. The movie. (laughs) You get it? Uh, Never mind. Yeah, I'll be here all week. Uh, I guess I better not quit my day job. After that, they announced that you can now share your Apple credit card with family members over the age of 13. And another feature I never asked for. After that, the magical, mystical AirTags were finally announced. They look just like the renders that were making the rounds on the intertubes. They'll cost you $29 a pop or four for $100. I guess there is a need out there for these things as Samsung and Tile already sell this type of product. Maybe I'm too old for this because I just don't understand why you would need these tags in quantities large enough for Apple to make a healthy profit. If you can tell me, drop me an email. 
I think over $30 after tax is just too much for these things. If uh, $29 isn't expensive enough for your highfalutin taste, you can always spend more, much more, on accessories for the AirTags. Prices start at $35 for leather keychains and increase from there. What was probably a surprise to many in the tech world, a new Apple TV 4K was announced. It looks exactly like the model it replaces, but includes an upgraded processor, the A12, which is found in the current iPhones. Surprisingly, at least to me, is the option for memory remains the same as the older model, 32 gigs or 64 gigabytes. Apple said the upgraded processor would make possible higher frame rates, which would make games from Apple Arcade run better. I think more RAM would have also made this experience better. I'm forced to reset my older Apple 4K TV now and again after having too many apps open, which causes the box to freeze. The remote that comes with the new Apple TV is a big upgrade. It's made from aluminum and has no glass parts. The remote features a dedicated power and mute button that can control your television. The new remote can be bought separately for $59.99 and is backwards compatible with the older Apple TVs. I might purchase one of these in the future. Prices start at 179 Bucky Smacks for the 32GB version and 199 bucks for the 64GB version of the Apple TV. These are prices that will ensure Apple sells less of these streaming boxes than their competitors. I mean, you can equip your household with two Roku Ultras, which come with Apple AirPlay for less than the price of one 64GB Apple TV. What am I missing here? Well, one cool thing concerning tvOS and iOS 14.5, both in public beta, was announced. You can use your Apple TV and iPhone to color or calibrate your television picture. After selecting the function and settings on the Apple TV, you'll be prompted to hold your iPhone up to your television screen, which will be displaying the area to point your phone at. After a minute or so of scanning, your television will display both the corrected version and the current version side by side for you to choose between. I did this and my settings weren't too far off Apple's suggestions. Cool feature. Next, Apple showed off the long-anticipated redesigned iMac based on the M1 chip. Well, at least one model of it anyway. What we saw was the 24-inch screened iMac introduced in a multitude of bright, really bright colors, but no space gray. If I had to choose one of the available colors, I'd probably go with the silver color one. That looks the most normal to me. Also introduced was an updated Magic Keyboard with a Touch ID and a more rounded design. What this new keyboard doesn't feature is backlit keys, which kind of gets me mad. That was the one feature I was really looking forward to. The Touch ID is nice, but my Apple Watch can unlock my current iMac just as easy, if not easier. My use case would be better served with a backlit keyboard. Starting price on the 24-inch iMac is $1,299 and tops out at $1,699. The old 21-inch Macs, which this model replaces, started at $999, so we have a sizable increase of the Apple tax this year on this model. I guess the rumored 32-inch screened iMacs will be labeled the Pro Line, the line that will most likely have a space gray or black option and hopefully a backlit new Magic Keyboard. 
Unfortunately, I don't know when the big screened IMAX will be released. While the design of these iMacs uh, is reminiscent of the current iPad Pros and Air, the iMac still has a big chin on the bottom, probably where all the non-screen electronics are housed. I think they could have just made the whole computer a little thicker and gotten rid of the chin. Another weird design choice is that the bezel around the screen of all models, regardless of color, is white. In my opinion, this will make dark colors on the screen kind of look weird. If I were to consider buying the 24-inch model, I'd have to max out the storage and RAM, 2 terabytes and 16 gigabytes respectively. I'll have to compare that to the price of a lower-end model of the 32-inch iMax when and if they come out. With these old fart eyes, I'm probably going to opt for the larger screen model. Buying a tricked-out Mac Mini is also an option, but I'd have to add my own display, keyboard, and mouse, and that'll probably jack the price up to unreasonable levels for my budget anyway. Finally, the new iPad Pros were introduced. Both the 11 and 12.9-inch models are powered with the Apple Silicon M1 chip, the same chip that powers the company's new Macs. The 12.9-inch model screen features the much-ballyhooed mini-LED screen. We'll just have to wait for the reviews to see if uh, this feature makes much of a difference. The 11-inch model with a regular screen starts at $799, while the 12.9-inch model starts at $1,099, an increase of $100 over last year's model. Both models have the option for 5G cellular service and up to 2 terabytes of storage. You can also get these babies with 16 gigabytes of RAM. With that configuration, yeah, you might as well port Mac OS onto it. Alongside the new iPads, the Apple introduced a companion Magic Keyboard in the color white. This would probably go better with the silver color both the Pro and Air models are available in. If you pair a Magic Keyboard to a maxed out 12.9 inch iPad Pro with cellular, you're talking around 2,500 bucks. You can get a maxed-out 13-inch MacBook Air for 2300 bucks, minus the fancy screen technology and cellular, but the Air goes on sale all the time. You can get it a little bit cheaper than that, probably around uh, 2000 Well, no thanks. My 11-inch iPad Air meets my mobile computing needs for a much smaller investment. Wrapping up on the Apple event, uh, what we didn't see at this event, besides the replacement for the 27-inch iMac, was a new iPad mini or redesigned AirPods. Perhaps we'll see the larger screened iMacs introduced during the Worldwide Developer Conference, WWDC, in June, and the iPad mini and new AirPods via press release soon. And speaking of WWDC, rumors abound of big changes coming to iOS, iPad OS, and Mac OS this year. And we've heard this all before, so seeing will be believing. All in all, it was a good virtual event, and I think Apple should just keep doing them that way. Virtual. I think it's a lot more entertaining, and it goes a lot faster. What do you think? 9to5Mac.com has details from the hack on Apple's manufacturing partner, Quanta, who I believe are located in Taiwan. They manufacture all their uh, laptops. Now, I'm not talking about the hack and ransom attempt itself. I'm talking about supposed details revealed about the upcoming MacBook Pro. 
As the tech press has reported in the past, an HDMI, USB-C port, and an SD card slot will be featured on the right side of the laptop, while the left side will feature two USB-C ports and a headphone jack and a MagSafe charging connector. I wonder what the inclusion of these ports will do to companies like Hyper, who manufacture USB-C compatible plug-in hubs, which include these ports, bottom line. Maybe they'll lower their prices to a point where I can justify buying one. Another thing gleaned from the leak was that there will be no touch bar on the new models. Instead, there will be a row of fiscal function keys with a Touch ID module at the end, just like the current MacBook Air. Now, I like the Touch Bar, but it has been divisive amongst the Apple community since its release on the higher-end MacBook Pro in 2016. I think that Apple thought that a lot of developers would incorporate features from their apps into the Touch Bar. Yeah, but that just didn't happen. Check I'm using. After waiting about two weeks, I was finally able to pick up my new Apple CarPlay-equipped vehicle. I'm now the proud owner of a metallic gray Toyota 4Runner SR5 Premium. As far as CarPlay goes, I was surprised that the version supplied by Toyota is not wireless. It requires a lightning to USB-A cable in order to use CarPlay. Now, it's not a deal breaker, but a hassle nonetheless. I mean, spending a lot of money on these vehicles. Basically, CarPlay mirrors your phone to the car's built-in display making it easier to do things. I find myself using it mostly in split-screen mode. One side displays a map with my current destination, while the other displays the app that I have in use at the time. Another thing that surprised me is that Toyota's own Intune screen feature will notify you of an incoming text message audibly. CarPlay does not do that audibly. They'll just notify you by a little red dot on the Messages app icon. So if you have your eyes mainly on the road, where they should be, you won't know if you have a new message unless you happen to look at the screen and notice the dot on the icon. Another thing I notice is, for some reason, if your cell signal, cell phone signal is low, Siri will not be able to reply to messages. I don't understand this because you're still able to send a message using your phone. All in all, I find CarPlay kind of underwhelming. As far as the 4Runner goes, it handles better than I expected it to. It's, you know, built on a truck frame. Now, what I don't care for is the gas mileage and the 5-speed transmission is kind of sluggish. I think Toyota could have done a better job here. I believe next year or the year after, the 4Runner is due for a redesign and will be made in the U.S. instead of in Japan. Entertainment News Hey, I finally got the Yes app for the Apple TV to work. They added my television provider finally. And I know in the grand scheme of things, you don't care about that. So, back to entertainment news, I guess. The Oscar awards are tonight. Will you be watching? No! The pre-press on this show leads me to believe it will be the most SJW and virtue <laughs> signaling event in history. They are already pumping up the new favorite victim race. The Asians. I think we should expect more lectures on climate change, gun control, white supremacy, and the other favorite topics of the Hollyweird elite. You know, aren't we all tired of these out-of-touch millionaires telling us how to think? I know I am. I 
I watched the newly released movie Mortal Kombat on Friday evening. Thanks to the pandemic, this, this movie, along with others, were released in theaters and HBO Max at the same time. The movie was okay, but like Kong vs. Godzilla, or whatever name of it was, uh, it wasn't really aimed at my demo. I remember when the first Mortal Kombat movie was released back in 1995 and taking my then very young children to see it in the theater. The place was packed with teenagers, mostly male. I didn't really enjoy that movie either, and my kids were too young to really pay attention to it, so I gathered them up and we left early. I'm sure the movie will do well, with the gamer crowd anyway, and that's who it was directed towards. Other than that, all remains the same in entertainment. Podcast News Another thing Apple announced that was sort of overshadowed by its other announcements was the Apple Podcast Subscription Program. This program will charge creators $19.99 yearly to be able to set up monthly or yearly payments from listeners of their shows. Apple will get a cut of any revenue you make, 30% the first year, and with 15% years after that. Software requirements will be announced at a later date. There is no exclusivity, so you can charge for your podcast on any platform it's on. Apple Podcast Subscription is not RSS-based. Besides NPR and other big business podcast networks, I can't see many independent podcasters going for this. Facebook, I mean Facebook, is getting into the podcast game. This according to an article from podnews.net. The data hoovering company will introduce a podcast player and a recording tool. Well, one thing for certain, you won't find this excuse of a podcast on that platform anytime soon, if ever. I finished listening to all seven episodes of that Pineapple Street Studio production, Stay Away from Matthew McGill. I told you about that a couple episodes back. All episodes were released at the same time exclusively on the Odyssey app. I thought the show started off well enough, but as it wore on, the narrator's voice started grating on me, as I told you before. And somehow the show became more about the host's own family rather than poor deceased Mr. McGill. I don't need to know anything about the host's family, and I know this sounds heartless, but I don't care about his family either. The reason I was listening to this show was to hear about Matthew McGill, not about the host's relationship with his own family. All we really do find out about Mr. McGill during this podcast is that he was handsome and basically a bad guy. It was a waste of my time listening to this show. The host worked on his story for years, and that's according to him. I think he should find some other way to express his creativity. You can say the same thing about me, but hey, I have a day job. I managed to listen to an episode of The Boys, the official podcast, which, of course, is meant to be a companion to the Amazon Prime show of the same name. The first episode is basically giving background info, which tells you about the origins of the show and its story. I assume once the new season starts, it will do deep dives on each episode. It's very well done, and I'm going to be listening to it when the new season starts of The Boys. It's rant time. If you've been a regular listener to this show, this rant might sound like I'm beating a dead horse. Whatever that might sound like. 
beating a dead horse. Who comes up with these sayings? Yeah, back to my rant. This rant is yet another one concerning journalism and mainstream media. While watching or listening to any MSM outlet, you should notice something. That something is advertising. Most of the ads lately are from pharmaceutical companies, Pfizer being the biggest advertiser lately. And don't think that guidance isn't provided by companies spending big bucks on advertising. Take the, quote, pause on the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. You know, there have been similar pauses on AstraZeneca's vaccine, but you probably didn't hear much about it. That's because that particular company's product isn't a threat to Pfizer and Moderna. The single-dose J&J one is, so you've heard a lot about the so-called problems with that vaccine. What you haven't heard is that people have died or have had adverse reactions to the other vaccines, but those companies pay to play. And if those news outlets don't play, well, they don't get paid. Again, I must say this, advertising is a form of censorship. Those words were first uttered by the pod father, Adam Curry. Now, on the Internet, thanks to ad blockers, I don't see direct ads influencing things. What I do see is the best interests of a certain country's government China. influencing articles. Lately, they're about Huawei and the great products that company is releasing, at least according to the articles. The articles also lament that they are not available here. You'll see these types of uh, articles pop up now and then on sites like Forbes, Newsweek, and even on some highly regarded tech sites like Engadget.com and the like. The articles are always making the case that we should let uh, Huawei use our technology and lift any bans we have on them. If you were able to research the background of these news and tech sites and some of their authors, I'd bet you'd find out that they have been compensated by the CCP or some other entity representing them. I recall articles from the tech press years ago glowingly reviewing Huawei hardware. It seemed the company could do no wrong. Now, I don't recall what particular site or author it was, but they did the right thing by giving full disclosure at the beginning of one of these reviews. And they told us that Huawei had flown them and other journalists to China, China. put them up in five-star hotels, and brought them to company headquarters to be shown the latest gizmos. Knowing this going in, the reader can assume the author was soft-pressured into a favorable review. A couple of years ago, there was a fairly big scandal where major newspapers, including, I think, the Washington Post and the Guardians and others, were getting a pile of money from the CCP to print a section in their newspapers called Inside China. Now, this section looked like it was reporting done from their own staff, but in fact, the articles contained in the bogus sections were written by the CCP's various China, propaganda China. departments. After being caught, these publications did delete the false sections, but never claimed to have stopped taking money from outside sources. So the next time you see, hear, or read a positive or negative article from any news source, pay attention to the advertising or if the tone of the article seems a little off-kilter or going against what's known as fact. You know, as long as news reporting is profitable business due to advertising and other influencing... We, the consumers, are never going to get just the facts. What we are going to get is what's bought and paid for. Well, that music you're hearing means that episode 76 is sadly 
coming to an end. Well, sadly for some. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I enjoyed making it for you, and I hope you found it worthwhile. You can contact me at OFNTPodcast at gmail.com if you're so inclined. Tell me what you liked and disliked about the show. I'd love hearing from you. So be safe, and I'll see you next week. Remember, don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. Why don't you get ready to be lectured by rich, empty vessels and get off my lawn? I'm out. See you next week. time inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.